coming up in this episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. One of the things that Jocko said that I thought was like incredibly insightful. He talked about like three things that he that happened to him that helped him feel like a man. Like the first thing he did is he's like, I had kids. And I know you and I both know, like once you have a kid, you're like, I feel confident in me because I have to take care of this little this little booger. And like, who cares about what anybody else thinks? Because this guy matters. He's like, the second thing I did is I trained up for war. And then he's like, the third thing I did is I fought in war. Are you new to fatherhood? Not sure if you're dadding to your full potential? Well, you've come to the right place. Most dads aren't talking to each other about their lives as dads. Like it's some kind of secret. Well, this is the podcast that takes the secret out of fatherhood. This is Not So Secret Dad's Business. G'day, g'day, and welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. So, this episode is a couple of days late, but, you know, with family and other commitments, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But this episode... I sat down in another transatlantic conversation, as I usually do, with my dear friend R.L. Shorver. R.L.'s a passionate advocate for freedom, resilience and character building. And together we went on a bit of an exploration of the intricate world of modern parenting and the values we instill in our children. We dive deep into the concept of liberty and the challenges of preserving it in a world brimming with diverse perspectives and digital distractions. Now, it's not just limited to the American context. It spans the continents and touches upon universal themes of nurturing strong character and resilience in the youth. Now, amid all this, we have a few personal stories and share insightful experiences from our own journeys as fathers. We discuss the profound importance of connecting with our kids in this fast-paced, technologically driven era and fostering resilience that will help them navigate the complexities of the contemporary world. Now, the heart of this episode really lies in the genuine conversation between the two of us. You know, although we're living on different sides of the world, we, we share a common goal, and that's raising children who embody compassion, confidence, and resilience. By the end of this episode, we're hoping to inspire you to cultivate young minds with the values rooted in freedom, integrity, and empathy. And hopefully this episode will showcase the transformative power of love, open dialogue, and understanding as essential tools for nurturing the heroes of tomorrow. So, without much more to really give you, let's get into this week's episode with R.L. Shorver. RL, how you doing, brother? You're looking well. You got the red, white, and blue behind you. All your tactical gear. It looks like you're you're preparing for war, brother. How you doing? Oh, dude, it's just a typical day in uh, in the states, right? It's good oh. to see you, Nate. It's good to see you, man. Look at that beautiful face, bro. It's good to see you too, man. It's been it's been a minute. We've been keeping in touch since our last episode. 
it's been so much fun. Um, yeah, man. And like, you've got so much stuff going on now. So last time I had you on the show, we were talking, that was purely a promotional bit because you just released your book. Uh, and that was, that was about how, um, you know, you'd, you'd gone through all the medical struggles with your son, Samuel, and all that sort of thing. That's right. For this child, I pray. And um, so that was really cool. But since then, like like you say, we've been keeping in touch. You've got a couple of side hustles moving as well as the book. And so tell us what what's going on in your world, man. Well, dude, um, you know, it's obviously taking care of the family. Um, still working for a software company. Um, and then decided to start a web hosting company. Actually, it's funny because, you know, I was thinking like, let's tell stories. Are you cool for that? Yeah, man, let's tell stories. So like, you know, I came out with my book and, um, you know, I needed a website. Actually was talking with a buddy and he helped me set it up, uh, my buddy Kevin. And um, I was like, you know what? I don't want to pay somebody else to host my website. Why don't I start my own web hosting company? So I started a web hosting company and um, actually it was really cool. God was really awesome in all of it. Cause like, I was like, I think I should start this. I was praying about it and jumped into it and forgive me. I hope you don't mind me jumping the faith bit. Um, but that's just me. Um, so I decided to start it. I talked to Kevin. He's like, yeah, let's do it together. It sounds awesome. And then I talked to my buddy, Travis and Travis is like, dude, I'm, I'm using this other company. I'd love to use you guys. And immediately had a customer with like 12 sites. So <laughs> it worked out pretty good. Nothing huge, you know, like profit wise, like I'm not staying home from 12 sites, like hosting them, but it was a fun start. And then from that, it was like, wow, I can start building websites. So I've been building websites, decided to, um, and then let's see, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, I decided when we were buying the house to the house that I've been living in, uh, we've been renting off of my in-laws and we decided to get it subdivided and I could buy it. And then I was, you know, I was having to pull some money out of my 401k because you can do that in the States and, you know, tax advantages and stuff. You can pull $10,000 out in your first house. And um, I was pulling money out and I was like, wait a second, I'm looking at the tax laws. I'm like, I wonder if I could buy night vision with that um, and write it off. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. If I started a rental company, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if I could actually start a rental company and let other people rent through us so they could take advantage of like making more money, potentially the tax advantages. You know, I'm not a tax accountant. So I'm, you know, talk to your accountant before you come to me. You know what I mean? Uh, whether you're in whether you're in the States or whether you're in Australia or wherever else, you know, tax laws and all that stuff. But um, so I decided to start a night vision rental company. And, um, you know, my day job is I'm in software, so it's fairly loose, but it's still just I can't stand the serious of any of it. So we were there's there's like multiple different people who've who've joked about send nods. So nods is night operating devices, um, but it's also really close to send nudes hey man when i when i first saw your your instagram and all that launch i'm like i i did read it wrong and i'm like what is rl doing with sending nudes like what this this guy just seems 
so righteous and and like a good Christian and they're sending nudes. And it wasn't until I looked at it like three or four times later that I was like, oh, wait, that says nods. That's where these these night visions coming into it because I was trying to make the tie. Where's where do nudes and night vision come into play? So yeah, man, dude, you're not. I guarantee you're not the only person who's had me on your podcast who's thought the exact same thing. But you know the way I see it is God's got a sense of humor. I mean, He made the platypus, dude. He made me. I mean, my goodness, like I'm practically a joke with everything. But you know, seriously, like life is. Life is just funny. You you gotta laugh at it. You gotta have some fun with it. Um and you might as well. So like why not tell jokes? And like we were talking about like when we when I first hopped on, like I've got a 12 year old son now, and he gets 99% of the jokes. 99% of the jokes. Um so yeah, he he loves it. It's it's fun. Um but it's a blast, you know, and the, the big thing was, is just let's do something that I wanted to do. And that is fun. Let's laugh, let's tell jokes, let's laugh while we're doing it and let's make money while we're doing it. And I'm like, if I can do that, then life's good. You know, absolutely, man. Well, you were saying uh, before we went on air that he's actually been getting involved with you doing send nods and all that. How's that been for you, man? Like working with your boy and, and, getting to have that quality time together well i mean you know i've been getting to work with him some with it but he's just getting excited about like night vision altogether. like he wants to buy his own set um he just bought his first helmet um you know and it's just it's fun it's he's 12 so you know maybe in three years when we talk again or you know we'll talk we'll keep in touch no matter what because we're tight like that but Right now, the fact that he actually thinks I'm cool, I think I've won the dad game. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's one thing when your six-year-old, your eight-year-old thinks you're cool. But when your 12-year-old thinks you're cool, I'm like, all right, I'm doing something right. Or maybe I'm doing something really wrong, but I don't care because I'm like, this is awesome. You know, but, you know, my kids are amazing. They're great kids. Um you know, one of the hardest things with, with kids is like, my kids are so different. Like Isaiah is so, he's so introverted and like, he's not introverted. He's just, he has some introversion, um, introversion to him. He's very thoughtful. He's very intelligent. He cares deeply about people um, to the point that he doesn't even want to ask for the things he wants, you know? And that's actually the biggest difference between him and Samuel, who's eight, getting ready to turn nine. Samuel will like loves giving people a hard time and has zero problem asking a stranger for what he wants. I mean, literally we took him to a picnic at work and there was a, there was a pond there and there were some guys fishing in this pond. Samuel walks up to them and manages to talk them out of bait, out of a hook, out of string makes his own fishing pole. I think they help him make a fishing pole out of a, out of a branch. But it's just like, holy crap, kid. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so, um, you know, but the big thing is, is like try, trying to teach your kids to, um, gosh, one of the my, one of my favorite books um, talks about like, you know, your kids are like arrows. Um, 
and that you're trying to guide them in the way that they should go. Because like each kid has a different path. Like each kid has a different direction when to go. And, uh, you know, I know you were saying, hey, listen, you know, we're you don't have to talk a ton about fatherhood, but it's hard. Like it's hard talking to you, Nate, not about fatherhood, just because, like, I know you have such a passion for it. Um, and it's something that, like, really, when you get down to it, like everything I'm doing is for my family, family and like our legacies that we leave are go through the kids that we that we raise up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Look, I agree with you too. Like the only reason I said that before the show was, you know, we don't have to talk fatherhood is because, but this is a men's show too. You know, we could, like you said, we could talk stories and just, just go on about anything. I mean, I love my tangents, man. It's when it comes to ADHD and tangents, like I'm all over it. I'm like, yes, all the tangents, and that's why I love having Judge on the show. But the thing is, I like you say, I struggle not to talk about fatherhood because I feel like ever since Eli was born, I've lost my identity. I don't even know who I am anymore outside of being a dad. And I've actually been getting a little concerned about that because it's like my whole world revolves around now being a dad. And it's like, who the hell am I anymore? Well, you know, maybe through, through a wrench in things, maybe it's not so much that you don't know your identity but maybe it's the fact that you've actually found your identity because like the thing is is like obviously something about this has resonated with you you know and obviously something about this has said hey this is who i am and who i've always wanted to be you think that's you think that's right you think it's solid yeah yeah, you're right actually because even even when i was a little boy you know the grown-ups would ask you what do you want to be when you grow up and the average answer from boys is, I want to be a soldier. Uh, it's definitely my son's answer. I want to be a soldier. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a police officer. I want to be some kind of hero, right? And I was just like, man, I just want to be a dad. And even when I was a when I was a kid, I always wanted to be like my mum. I wanted to be married with kids by the age of 21 and, and all that sort of thing. And as we both know, life doesn't always work out to the way we'd like it to go so that didn't happen for me I I didn't become a dad till I was 30 and even then I had to do that through very unusual means you know um and as as people who regular listeners of this show know how I became a dad you know meeting Christine when she was four months pregnant and and all that jazz but yeah man I just I kind of feel like I found my mission if that's if that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah a dude and same boat like if you'd have asked me when i was six i mean i, I think i probably would have told you doctor farmer but realistically if you told me if you really listened to me i would have been like i want to be a dad i want to be a husband and i would have gladly gotten married at 21 um but you know uh i got chris i got a similar name christina pregnant um and then things didn't work out with us um and then now we have a great relationship as you know co-parents and isaiah's 12 and then i met steph when i was 30 um actually she threw me my 30th birth- birthday party in this house and uh you know we got married had samuel right away and um i'm with you man i feel like it's one of the things i've loved about being your buddy like i didn't tell you i don't know if i fully told you this so Samuel 
was granted a make well he was supposed to be granted a make wish they haven't fully followed through on that we're waiting we've been waiting a while so we decided to take some matters in our own hands and we reached out to mr beast the mr beast you know, the youtuber and um because i was like you know they haven't followed through on this I'm just going to reach out to him myself. So we sent him an email and I was like, Hey, this is what happened. You know, not trying to throw anybody in the bus, but we haven't heard anything from, um, you know, make a wish. And it's been almost two years. And, um, you know, the episode that I sent him, cause I was like, if you want to hear like what happened to Samuel and everything that went on, you know, check this episode out. And it was actually your episode. No way. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been on about like 30 podcasts or 30 some podcasts, maybe approaching 40 at this point. But, you know, most of them promoting the book, some of them my um, you know, my sending naked pictures through night vision. <laughs> <laughs> but in but yeah, the um yeah, I sent them yours, man, because dude, you you honored me by the fact that you actually read my book. Like you and you not only read my book, but you read my book and you're like ready to come on and talk about it. And just hear about my story, man. And that just something I've realized in life is like preparation means so much. Like it's it's a way to honor people. It's a way to show that people that you're um, you're serious about things. But it's also a way to just show somebody that hey, listen, you care about them. You know, it's it's a respect thing, man. It like if if you respect somebody's story their background what they've been through or, or just what they're trying to share you know you you take the time out of your day to be prepared for that oh look i'll be honest with you i'm not always like that you know i have i've had so many guys book with me in the last two weeks i've been flat out and everybody's stories merged with each other and i've had to stop and go hang on so which guy are you you know because all these bios just blend in together Oh, dude, uh, dude. And I think I've I'm done sure it with you as well, where I was like, I, I mixed you up with a, a previous guest. I'm like, so how's the foster care being going? And you're like, what? I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry, man, wrong guy. You're, yeah, I remember now. And that's okay, dude. That's okay. Like, you're out there, you're grinding, you're you're putting together an amazing podcast. You're crushing things. You're being a good dad. I'm always excited for you, man. Thanks, man. Hey, and look, for you to have sent that episode through to Mr. Beast as well, man. Like that's that's a pretty cool exposure. Even if he didn't listen to it, just that that thought that Mr. Beast may have listened to it, like that's fucking awesome, man. Like that's really pumped me up. Thanks for that. Dude, well, I mean, like, of all the podcasts I've been on, like, I just felt like we jobbed really well. And forgive me for using the word jive. But I just, I was like, I felt like we, our podcast was great. The story went well. Like, I like the way you edited it. I wish I would have, like, had a, a better mic like I do now. Because I've got a decent mic now and decent camera now. But, you know, back then I was just, I think I actually did it outside. You could actually hear the crickets chirping, which. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I liked that, though. That was a cool part about that episode was just hearing the crickets. I listened back to it and I'm like, man, like. That must have been nice on his end, you know. I, I'll tell you what, man. I'm, I, I am jealous of you, Yanks. Um, I just, I'd love to. I, I have this romantic idea of America, man. And I've, in fact, Christine and I have talked about it a bit ourselves, you know. And she's, she's probably a little more liberal, more progressive. I, I would say I'm 
more conservative. Now, here in Australia, American politics, a lot of people don't keep touch on it, keep tabs on it. But again, me talking to so many Americans, I'd like to know what's going on. Being a close ally of the, the Americans, we naturally fall in line as a country. I mean, we end up being frontline support for you guys. You know, we're, we're cannon fodder. But anything that's going down in America, it's going to follow us, right? So, yeah, I'd say I'm more conservative. Christine's more more progressive, liberal. And I've said to her, like, I'd love to move to Texas or I'd love to move to to you know Oklahoma or or Louisiana or somewhere southern like anywhere below the Mason Dixon, I'd love to live there. She's like, nope, I want to go to California or Pennsylvania or New York or I'm like, really like, but the food. What about the barbecue? What about the guns? What about? She's like, no, nah, I don't like any of that. I'll put it this way: most of the Californians don't even want to be in California, so. Well, it's just so expensive, man. Dude, it's a beautiful. It's a gorgeous place to visit. Like when I went out, I went out once and it was, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful to see the coast, to see the ocean, to see it all. Um, I can see the appeal, um, but the mad influx or outflow of Californians and people from New York and a lot of the very more liberal cities, you see a lot of big push out, you know, Um Dude, I've been I've been keeping track of politics since uh, since two thousand four, I think, and like it's gotten to the point now where I realize, to some extent, you know, there's a not a lot I can change. Um, to some extent, I'm trying to affect the things that I can change, and then to some extent, I realize that like some of the people that I thought were the good guys turned out to be just as bad as the um the guys who I thought were the bad guys um bad guys were still bad <laughs> you know what i mean but it's just like oh the good guys are bad too this is really weird american politics has taken a really really weird turn i mean we just we just arrested our last president didn't he just get bonded out though like literally just got bonded out i'm sure he did but they're prosecuting him for questioning an election um that i'll put it this way i mean my I do statistics for I do statistics and data analysis for a living. Um, I'm really, really, really good at data. Like, really good. Like, one of the businesses that I've started is like finding missing revenue for people. Because, like, my current job, I found I've been there for three years and I found about six million dollars of missing revenue for a company that's like not that big. And none of the data from the 2020 election makes sense. A lot of the data from various elements of the 2022 election doesn't make sense. And you're saying because he questioned that, that he goes to jail? Like, what kind of banana okay, republic? This, this, this is my argument, though, is that there was, there was the 2016 election and, and the Democrats were going on about Russian collusion and all this bullshit. Why weren't the democrats arrested because they were they were doing the same thing you know don't get me wrong i don't want to turn this into a, pol a, a massive political thing because i know how divisive 
politics are in America. I get that. And I don't want to alienate any any of our listeners or have them shutting off. But that being said, man, like I've had people to, dude, on my toolbox in the garage, I have a silhouette of old man Trump with Trump 2020 underneath it. I had my sister custom make the stickers for me. And, um, Nice. Like, you know, I've got to get a new one, 2024, made for my toolbox at work. But it's it's like I had even people here going, why are you for him? He's racist. He's this. He's that. And I'm like, has anybody stopped and looked at American politics as a whole and American history? Like, you go back into, like, Jim Crow laws. That was all the, the KKK, all of that. That was the Democrats. You look at Thomas Jefferson for crying out loud. Like you go back that far. The Democrats have been like that the whole time. The Republican Party was founded by black members. The Republican Party is a black party. You know what I mean? They were fighting to end Jim Crow laws. They were fighting against all this shit. Yet somehow Trump ends up being a racist because he runs Republican. Like was Bush a racist? No, I think he was a bit of a warmonger, but but you know, again, it's yeah, it's it's all fucking backwards in my mind, dude. I mean, for a guy who's racist, the African American population and most minorities actually have done better because of his policies than anybody else. Wait, isn't isn't Jesse Jackson also behind him as well? I don't know. I, I don't believe you, I believe Jesse Jackson was uh, was out there one day saying he's not racist. Like I'm, are you for real? But I know, man. again, I'll put it this way: like because I'm white in in the U.S., well, they think I'm white in the U.S. I'm automatically racist. So at this point, the racist card is just it's not even it's not even valid anymore. It's like so what? Okay, you want to call me racist? You don't know my nationality or my heritage. You don't know my background. But you know what? Because I'm somewhat white you're gonna call me racist fine why would i care if you use that term and it's just it's it's become one of those monikers that's just like it doesn't mean anything anymore and i'm fine for that because like for so long people were so concerned because they didn't want to be they didn't want to be called racist but even more so they didn't want to actually be racist and like I've got friends of multiple different nationalities and I care about them and I listen to them. I like listening to other people's cultures. I like hearing who people are and treating them with respect. And if that makes me a racist, then I'm a racist and I'm glad about it. You know what I mean? And I know I'm not a racist, but who cares? Um, and I know that's actually the opposite of what people would call racism. Uh, what people would call racism and what people, but what people label racism in the United States is people with an R next to their name. Okay, great. That's what you want to call racist because I want to see minority parties and I want to see people of color and people of all different nationalities getting together, getting along together, doing well in their financial life, being left alone to do the things that they want to do. If that makes me racist. Then I guess that I'll have to be a racist. Mm-hmm. Look, I'll, and and one thing I've seen as an outsider looking in as well is that you know there's still very much. But you hear it all the time, like America's the greatest country in the world and, and this sort of thing. And I, I believe that was true once upon a time. I don't believe that's 
any longer true. I don't think that's true any any longer. And you know, it's sad, but like you know, the the big thing that gets spouted over there is freedom. And yeah, you guys have a lot of freedom when it comes to your constitution, the way it's being laid out. But I mean, there are also other free countries, right? And I think one thing that a lot of Americans overlook is just how many rights you guys really do have. And it's because of those rights that everything's gone topsy-turvy because, you know, you've got your First Amendment right to, to free speech. But then you've got people getting offended and upset because you're using your right of free speech and trying to shut down your free speech because they're offended by it. But again, they can do that because it's their First Amendment right. You know, um, Eli's favourite is the Second Amendment. You know, I've got a seven-year-old walking around here constantly talking about guns and Dad, I love the M1 in World War II because I get to do this. Dad, check out the M16. This M16's awesome. Um, you know, and when can when can we go hunting, Dad? When can we go shooting? And I'm like, well, firstly, you have to be 12. Secondly, I have to have a firearms license. And thirdly, that'd be a hell of a lot easier if we were in America and had the backing of the Second Amendment. You know, the, the funny thing is, if you really want to go down this road, um, our constitution was built around the fact that people were, should be self-governing. Like that's it, not the government, not the federal government, not the state government. The most power should be as close to the people as possible. And that's what the constitution was built around. Like if you actually look at the first amendment, there's actually five different, five different, um, um, freedoms outlined in it. The, the second amendment is is there for a purpose, but all of them are, were built around, first of all, like the Old Testament, like they actually modeled things from there. Um, but then they also said, hey, listen, what kind of crap have we dealt with and what kind of garbage have we dealt with? Like the people who wrote the Constitution were not dumb. They studied everybody. They studied all the old philosophers, all the Greek philosophers, all the different political systems. And they said, how can we arrive at something that's going to help us? And the interesting thing is, is they expected to last 25 years. That was it. I mean, we're almost 300 years in, you know, 250, um, you know, yeah. So like the thing is, is they did not expect it to last this long. And the interesting thing is, is because of that, because they got the system right, Look what we did. Like, we literally not only just rocketed up, but we literally elevated the world stage. Now, the thing is, it's like everybody wants to decry freedoms because they're dangerous. Oh, you know, you shouldn't be able to say that because it's dangerous. It might hurt somebody. You shouldn't be able to use your firearms because they might hurt somebody. You know what? That's the thing is like every single freedom is dangerous. And like the the ultimate side of it, people want to say, well, this person's crazy and these persons are this and this person's that, you know, we've had a whole society that's been built that was originally built around trusting people like the United States, the whole entire laws and everything around it was built around trusting people. And now it's become a society that is purposely trying to destroy the mental health of people like we've done everything to destroy it. We destroy people's physical health. We destroy people's social health. We put out 
the worst of people and try to bring it out. We shove cell phones down people's throat as early and as often as possible. Um, not that like any of this stuff's bad, but like you have to learn to be physically healthy. You have to learn to be mentally healthy. You have to learn to deal with your trauma. We have an entire generation of people that were taught not to talk about the things that bothered them and not to talk about the things that hurt them. And it's destroyed. It's destroyed the U.S. Like everybody coming out of the the World War Two, World War One, Great Depression, like that 30, 40 years. And I don't know if I talked about this in the last time, but like one of the things if I write a second book or do something, I want to talk about the fact that that generation and those generations did not deal with their trauma. And because of that, they hurt the next generation from growing forward. And like, we have to be able to deal with their traumas and give ourselves grace and have other people who can say, Hey, I care about you, man. How are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you how are you dealing with it? Like, what's going on? And just say, hey, I'm not going to beat you up. Like, hey, I fell off the wagon. Who cares? Like, I care about you. Like, I don't care about whether you did things perfect. I care about whether you win. I care about whether you you were free. I care about whether you are able to become who you want to become. And um, that's critical. And those things are what keeps our, like our mental health well. Those are the things that are going to keep us free as people, no matter what country you're in. And those are the things that are going to help us like move forward as a human race, you know? So those things are really, really critical. And unfortunately in the United States, people pushed the opposite for so long. And it's just, it's, it's horrendous. It's horrendous to see. Well, see, I think we're also in this position as well. I don't know about you, but I, I think it's safe to say that we grew up being told you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, right? And now we're in a position where you do talk about religion or politics and everybody loses their freaking mind because nobody knows how to sit down and have a natural discourse, of you know, talk about it and go, all right, hey, look, I'm politically aligned different to you. I don't agree with what you're saying, but I can see, you know, I can respect your point of view. Instead, people lose their freaking minds and go, how could you, like you said before, you're a racist, you're this, you're that, and they just start slinging names around. And it's like, well, how is this helping your argument? Like you are not helping me see your side of the, your side of the, the fence here because... You, all you're doing is confirming what I already believe about this side or that side or whatever. You know, the funny thing is, it's like as much as people want to cancel people because they don't, you know, they, they like a political figure or they believe a certain way. Like there's people, you can't actually cancel them. Like the only way you can cancel them is to, to like delete them from history. And then the second way, the, way, the best way you can come close is to murder them. And neither of them are, like you're going to do so you saying hey listen this person doesn't get voice this just person doesn't get that like sometimes you're actually going to make things worse but the other side of it is that like you know with if you're not willing to actually listen to somebody you can't respect their decisions you're going to be in a bad spot you know this okay let's go really controversial 
let's go really, really wild. And let's talk about the enemy of all enemies, Hitler. Like, he had some good ideas. He had some really terrible, evil ideas. You also have to realize, like, he was a human, just like us. And the things inside of him that caused him to go that direction, like, we have to examine ourselves and say, could we get there? And, like, I feel like most hum- most humans I know are not willing to, to admit that they're the same species as Hitler and realize that they have just as much capacity for evil as he did. And how do you keep from that? How do you keep from becoming that person, you know? Or step it back. How do I come come keep from becoming the person? Like, if you don't like your dad, how do I keep from becoming from my dad? How do I keep from becoming these people? Like, it's worth exploring yourself and saying, hey, listen, I'm not perfect, you know? And then at that point in the... In that point, to circle back to the cancel conversation, you start to realize, like, maybe these people I hate, the things that I really hate in them are the things that I see in me that I don't like, you know? That's a good point, man. That's a really good point. Yeah, could people automatically get defensive and, and uppity when they see something of themselves in somebody else that they don't like? It happens all the time. And, and you know, again, with the Hitler thing as well, that that, like, he wasn't always an evil man. Right, he he. It was an in- incremental thing. It was so, and the the changes are small, so small that you don't see it happening until you know six million people are wiped off the face of the planet, and then he's the the most evil person to have lived. Um, what a, what a lot of people have to realize as well. That man was not thinking straight. Like he was a junkie. You watch some of the videos of him at like State of the Union addresses and stuff. He's rocking backwards and forwards. His knees are bouncing. He can't focus. Um. So, yeah, to come away from that. No, moment, I totally agree. To come away from <laughs> I totally that, agree. This is this has gone like totally off the off where I w- I was expecting it to go. But being <laughs> being in America, man. And having everything so divisive and it, it, like outrage culture is a huge thing over there. How are you raising your kids through that? Because like you say, your oldest is now 12. He's he's really going to start being confronted with a lot of this and going to be starting to form his own opinions and, and that sort of thing. Well, I think the, the biggest thing, and hopefully I haven't gone too far off the rails or like... No, nah, you're golden, man. Yeah, I, you know... I like to tow lines because like sometimes it's worth towing lines to get to get to the direction you want to go because you have to to realize that like we're not we're we are people who are capable of some grave mistakes. Um but yeah, when it comes to like my kids, like the number one thing I want to instill in them is that they're loved by me. I mean, this is literally my prayer every single night that they that they're loved by me. Um, I try to to instill confidence in who they are, um, in whose image they're built in. Um, I mean, my kids are actually pretty confident. Like even Isaiah, who's pretty quiet, he's very confident in his ideas. Samuel's very confident in his ideas to the point sometimes where I'm like, hey, listen, you, you know, you do need to listen to other people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like you got it. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you doesn't mean you can call them stupid. <laughs> It doesn't mean you could call them, like, not be friends with them. Um, but my kids are, they're confident enough to 
actually sway other kids, which is very cool to see. Um, you know, but it's just Tom showing them how much they're cared about, how much they're special, like spending time doing the things that they like. I the constant struggle I've had is like with my dad. Um, I love my dad, he was a great dad, but I think he always was just so focused on like taking care of the house and taking care of all these projects and doing things himself because like he grew up ridiculously poor and like he just was always focused on doing work that a lot of times he wasn't focused on spending time with us. And sometimes I worry that I've overcorrected overcorrected, and I spend way too much time like doing the things that my kids find fun, like playing video games with them or taking them to do the things they want and not enough time teaching them to work. Um, you know, so it's, it's a struggle, but like, I mean, the one good fruit of it that I see is that my kids are, they know they're special and they know they're, they're competent in who they are. And that, that's something I didn't have. So I feel like that's something I've really, really tried to work towards, like spending the time showing them that they're, they're special, you know, I agree with you, man. And I like the fact that you talked about overcompensation as well. Because I'm I'm especially guilty of that. I grew up, my father was workaholic. I, I never saw him because he was out the door before I, I woke up and he was coming home after I'd been put to bed, right? So I never I never saw my old man. And that drove me nuts because I never really got to spend time with him. And so now I'm a dad and I'm like, you know what? Fuck overtime today. I'm going home to be with my family. Like that's where my values lie. I want to be at home with my family. I don't want to be here for another hour and a half. But then it comes to payday and it's like, son of a bitch. Like I've literally <laughs> missed out on $300 this week because I'd rather be at home with my kid. That being said though, man, like you were saying earlier that Isaiah really likes to get involved with you with, with send nods and, and he not so much working on it, but he's sharing that interest with you, right? And I've gotten to a point where it's like, man, I've got to set up side hustle. I've got to do something. So a friend of mine literally just the other week, uh, last week, bought me a multifunction welder for, for home use. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, dude, you can't can't spend this money on me, man. He goes, no, nah, consider it an investment. I'm investing in you. Like, if you can set up a side hustle using what you're good at, go for it, man. I'll get the money back later on down the line. And so first thing, man, Eli's out there, dad, can you show me how to weld? I'm like, yeah, man. And so I just, I showed him, I said, here's the gloves. You've got a helmet. Here's the gun. Go nuts. And his first weld, man, I was really impressed. I'm like, man, that, I've, I've seen grown men do worse job than that. <laughs> and then after just five minutes of instruction, I'm like, okay, and this is what we want to do. And, you know, and then while I, while he's welding, I'm over his shoulder. I'm like, no, slow down, slow down. No, keep moving forward, move forward, but slow down. And he got a really decent weld out of it. And seeing him be proud of what he did, right? He's like, dad, Dad said I did a good job, and Dad is good at what he does. So if Dad says it's good, it must be good. And so that's been awesome where he's now hassling me. Dad, this weekend, can we go do some more welding? Can we go do something? And so 
I want to get him him involved in that. If I want to do a side hustle, you know, like get him involved. All right, son, you can help me hold this, tack this, whatever. And hopefully I can instill that that work ethic in him. Because like I say, he's not seeing it from me because I'm, I'm like blowing off overtime to go home and be with my family, you know? Yeah, but I mean... You know, the ultimate thing is, is you're, you're make you're, you're making decisions based on your values and that's, that's important. And your values are like, Hey, I'm valuing my family over money. And yeah, there are times where you have to do the overtime. I get it. You know, there's times where you got to be like, Hey, I got to go to the second gig. I get it. But like, you're saying, Hey, listen, my kids are more important to me. My wife's more important to me than an extra hundred bucks and some nice new fancy toy or even for them, you know? And I think your kids, your wife, all of them agree on the same decision, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's when I first took the job I'm in now, you know, I've left a job that was really controlling, really strict with how things work. Like you could do overtime in the morning, right? You could start an hour earlier, but you weren't allowed to leave when you'd done your eight hours, you were still expected to be there till, you know, finish time. That's fine. That's cool. But there was really, really no flexibility whatsoever. And so when I took on the job I'm at now, I said, look, I need you guys to be cool with flexibility. Like if this, if you, if you can't be flexible with me, this is not going to work. And so I can start at five thirty, start an hour and a half earlier than the normal I can leave at 2 p.m. when I've done my eight hours, you know, and that's what I love about Fridays as well. It's an automatic early finish. So instead of finishing at 3.30, we finish at 2, and I get to go pick up Eli from school, you know, which is awesome. I didn't get to do that with my, my last job, and I was, you know, there for most of his life up until that point. Um, And so, yeah, having that flexibility, I think it's kind of, softened me a bit as well because it's like you know what i can blow off these couple of hours and just go home and be with my family um and i'm kind of trying to find that balance now it's like okay no look i'd love to be at home with the family but now i have to bring home that bread otherwise we ain't eating (laughs) yeah you know and the beautiful thing is is like you come to the point where you're talking you can talk with your wife and you talk with your kids and say hey you know what do you want me to do like and involve them in the decision and that's you know that's that's pretty pretty clutch to be able to do that you know now you don't always get a chance to do that sometimes you have to make the decision yourself but like just the ability to say hey you know i care about you guys jump in you know what's your stop time by the way are you 12 or 12:30 uh i've i've got a couple more minutes man what time is it? It's it's just gone five past two in the afternoon. Nice, nice, nice. It's uh, just five past midnight here. I, I tell you what, man. I love you guys in the Northern Hemisphere. You guys really, you you burn the midnight oil, oil for me. Hey, I love it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a night owl. Um, if I didn't have tons of stuff, we'd be actually going to a night shoot in um, the next state over in Ohio. Tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be running out a bunch of night vision and um, shooting a bunch of guns and doing a bunch of cool stuff. We're doing that in the afternoon, actually selling a set of night vision that day. That day. We've already got a set. It's coming to me tomorrow. You know, it's been pretty fun. Um, so it's exciting. Um, 
I just got to make sure to be awake to actually catch the night vision when it comes here. Cause you know, I'll have to sign for it, all that stuff, you know? <laughs> See, I'd, I'd love to do stuff like that, especially with Eli. Hey, cause I don't know, like this kid, he's just fascinated with firearms. I'll tell you, uh, a, a little while back when we had a video chat, just just to catch up, right? And you were you were showing Eli what you've got, you know, in your stash behind you there. I did not hear the end of it for weeks. Hey, Dad, <laughs> you know your friend in America with the cool firearms? Yeah, you know, he had the rifle. Did you see his sniper rifle, Dad? He had a scope on it and a suppressor, and he had this and that. No, I'm like, yeah, I know, son. Dad, can we go live in America? And I hear my wife in <laughs> the other room. No, we're not living in America. <laughs> oh, man. Boys are just, they're wired that way, man. Like, I remember talking to uh, my the psych professor at the college I went to, and she was just like, boys will literally chew their gun, their their toast into the shape of a gun and then point it at you and go, pow, 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 because we are men are wired to like it's just it's in our nature to fight one of the things that Jocko said that i thought was like incredibly insightful he talked about like three things that he that happened to him that helped him feel like a man like the first thing he did is he's like i had kids and i know you and i both know like once you have a kid you're like i feel confident in me because i have to take care of this little this little booger and like who cares about what anybody else thinks because this guy matters he's like the second thing i did is i trained up for war and then he's like the third thing i did is i fought in war and you know like for me like i was it was actually really great with like what i went through with samuel because like i had trained in spiritual warfare for so long um learning to like trust god learning to stand in faith for what he said learning to 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 see things through learning to just you know wage those wars and like when i went through everything with samuel as much as it sucked it sucked horrendously like i actually fought the war and like i could look like i can look people in the eyes and go you know what I've seen death itself and I've stood up to it and I've said, no, you're not going to take me and you're not going to take my family. And, um, I feel like that that's a point where you come to as a man where you're like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and look, the, what you're saying about the fact that boys will automatically find a way to get a gun, right. Or make a gun or whatever. Like I grew up in a house where it was very anti-guns. So there were no water pistols. There were no Nerf guns. There was no super soakers, nothing like that. And um, we were going down to visit my mother one weekend. And, and Eli's like, Dad, can I take my Nerf guns? My mum's on an acre, heaps of room. And I'm like, no, you're not taking your Nerf guns. Nan Nan doesn't like them. Not happening. He goes, oh, okay. And I mentioned that to my mum when we went down there. I was like, yeah, told him to leave the guns at home. He wanted to bring them. And she goes, oh, thank you for that. She goes, but look at him. He's out there. He's playing with nature. And then literally 30 seconds later, he comes to the door with a stick. He's like, Dad, check out the stick shotgun I found. And my mother goes, oh, my God. 
he turned us. I went, I told you, Mark, it doesn't matter. He will find something and turn it into a gun. It, it was hilarious. She's got a massive pile of mulch out there and stuff, and he's like climbing up on uh, up on top. I have the high ground, you know, playing wars and all that. Like, it was just awesome to see. Dude, there's one of my favorite books is this book by a guy named John Eldridge, and it's called um, Wild at Heart. And it, what it talks about is that, like, we as men were designed to, we, we want a beauty to rescue. We want a battle to fight. We want to, like, have a mission in life. Like, and it's it's so apparent from, like, the time we're, like, three, four, five, six years old. That's who we are. That's what we were designed for. And like, it's wrong. To, it I would actually goes too far as to say it's actually wrong to suppress that. Like, if it's who you are, why are you not cultivating it? If your kids want to be around that stuff, you have to cultivate that. Like everybody's like, well, you know, I was designed this way with this and I was designed this way with this. Okay, but like these kids are literally designed to wage war, to fight, to do battle, to, to do all this stuff. Are you building up what they were designed for? Or are you just trying to squash that? You know, and not just not to criticize your mom or anybody else, but just to say, hey, let's step back a second and think. Like, boys were designed for this. And the beautiful thing about it is like that's not toxic masculinity. And everybody will like if you listen in most conservative circles, they'll point out, like, hey, toxic masculinity isn't like men. It's actually weak men, like strong men, teaching your boys to be strong. Yeah, teaching your boys to fight, teaching your boys to honor the right things. That's not toxic. And I'm telling you now, man, when you hear it from the mouth of a seven-year-old and he says, Dad, soldiers go to heaven because when they die, they're trying to save the world. Like, it's, it's, not, a, it's not toxicity that's coming out of his mouth. He's talking respect he's talking honor he's talking integrity he's talking all these things that you want in a good man he, he's always telling me dad i'm never going to be a granddad because i'm going to die young in the war when i go oh, to wow. the army, i'm going <laughs> to die and i'm like no man like there are men that that have like come out of iwo jima and and the second world war all over the place man he goes yeah but I'm going to die young. I won't be a grandpa. That's okay. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, where the hell are you getting this shit from? <laughs> um, like, granted, it's probably my it's my doing because I let him play Call of Duty and that sort of thing. But I know this kid, he's just got such a sense of honor. I'll put it this way. Let's, let's hope that, like, I mean, it's cool to fantasize about that stuff because, like, a lot of us is, who just have this, we want to save the world. We we think like that, but like the thing is, is like you can do a lot more saving the world doing with a microphone, with like being involved in people's lives, with like being there. Because like it's not it's it's one thing to say, hey, listen, I'm gonna go like raise my sword. I'm gonna pull my gun out. I'm gonna do the things to save people physically, but like where people are really really done is the mental and the spiritual and the like in between their ears. You know, and that's the I know that's the point of why you put this podcast together is to say, hey, I want to save these people in between their ears. I want to like help them know that, hey, you can be a good dad and you probably already a better dad than you think. And like, let's help you help yourself so that way you can raise your kids 
because like it's one thing to say hey i'm going to save some people's lives on the battlefield and that's it's beautiful and it's amazing but like it's a whole other thing to say hey i'm going to come back from that and i'm going to live a long life but when i'm back i'm going to save more people because i'm going to keep this person from like giving up giving in i'm going to save this person from like failing in life i'm going to teach this person that hey listen there's a better way than where you're going and that's where you actually really 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 that's where you wage war and that's the spiritual war that we fight is like making a difference in people's lives leading them to something better showing them that they're valuable the same thing i teach my kids like hey i love you i care about you you're worth something you know the same thing i tell you when i talk to you nate i love you man i care about you you're worth something you know, if I don't say it, I try to show it because you mean something to me, you know. And that's one thing I, I've, I've, I'm very grateful about with this podcast as well, man, is that firstly, I will say I I always try to make sure I don't give advice because I'm not I'm no no expert. I'm just a dad. Right. But secondly, is that doing this podcast, man, I've made some awesome friends, you included, you know, and I'm if I hadn't have done this podcast, I wouldn't have met you. And just, I love everything about you, man. Like the things you do, the person you are, the shit you've been through, just it's, it's fucking amazing, man. And when I get to see your beautiful face, I just like my, my day lights up. It really does. I'm not trying to blow wind up your ass or anything like that, mate. It's just, that's the fact of the matter, you know? So Look, we're going to have to wrap it up here, man. But I will say thank you so much for coming back on the show because I love catching up with you. Like I said, I love your beautiful smile. I love everything about you, dude. And we've got to we've got to do a part three again really soon, dude. I'm I'm game for it. I'm glad to hear the family's doing good. I'm glad to hear you're doing good. Glad to see you jumping back to the podcast. Hope the next uh, guest crushes it for you. And, um, dude. As always, anything for your listeners, anything for you, you know, you can always check me out and hit me up on rlshaver.com um, or sendnods.com. You can hit me up there. Although I don't think you can actually see my send nods outside of the, outside of the States because we have it locked down in the U.S. They have those ITAR laws, so I can't even show stuff, you know. Actually, if you go to sendnods.com, I don't think if you're in Australia or anywhere else outside of the U.S., it'll show up. All right. Interesting. Well, either way, I'll, I'll I'll have to keep in touch with you anyway. I might have to port my website over to you guys as well because I'm I'm spending like four five hundred dollars a year to for a website. You know, it's it's not not cheap, man. It's not cheap. We'll get you down, and we'll let you talk about whatever you want as long as it's not like something stupid. You know. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. That's that's a given. Look, brother. Thanks again for your time today, man. We'll keep in touch. Nate, take it easy, man. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to find out more about today's guest, just check out the links in the show notes. You can follow the podcast as well on social media at Not So Secret Dads Business or on our website, notsosecretdadsbusiness.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review the show. It helps more than you realize. Until next time, guys, be the best dad you can be.